the Nasi, President Berman, Klinsky, Rav Shachter, Rashi Shiva, Rabbeim, Tamid and Nikarim, Lorei Bravoisait. Dovar There are many halachos and minhagim that are associated with Moshe Shabbos. One is, of course, the Siddhas Narama Malka, quoted in Shulchanar Harachayim Simen Shin, based on the Gemara and Shabbos, book your test. Well, Malka is meant to keep us connected to Shabbos. Just as we welcome Shabbos in a festive spirit, Kabbalah Shabbos, as we know, we sing. So we take leave of Shabbos with a sense of simcha. And uh, Shabbos is over, but we want to be malada the Malka. There are many zmiros, as we know, that were composed for the Sudas of Shabbos. And if we open a Siddur or a venture, we will notice that there are many zmiros and piyutim that were composed for Mosai Shabbos. Many of these Miros make repeated mention of a specific personality in Tanakh. Who is it? Eliyohanavi. The tour in two places, in Arachayim, Beisadi Hei, and Beisadi Tess, cites a minhag to mention the name of Eliyohanavi on Mosai Shabbos. In Simon Beisadi Hei, the, the tour explains that Regilim Lahaskir Elio Anavi, he brings a reason to the Sefer Amanhik because he will be the Vasa the Gula. The Gemara says in Arabic that that Elio doesn't come on Arab Shabbos. The Mokin Abram explains he also wouldn't come on Shabbos because it's Humin, Umalami Asara, Umalami Asara, the Sugi over there. So the Mele, now that Shabbos is over, we have a chance to, to await Elio Anavi's arrival. That's the simple Mesadi Hay. In Simenri Veshtadi test, the tour again quotes a minhag. He says, Yeshnoragin, Loma Bachomatsei Shabbos, Kol Hapsukim Shemuskar Behem Eliyahu. Sukim Inach, or so wherever you find it, that mention the name Eliyahu Navi, the Omrim Shutov Veshikha. It's good to, as a schooler not to forget your learning. The youth Rachav Matsrichin Bakalashabua. The school for success for the entire week. You start looking around, you see many interesting and hugging that connect with the mentioning of the name of Eliyama Nabi, the Seder Hayom, the Mushnahi the Machir, the Kufa Garizal. In Seder Abdullah he says, before you say Abdullah Nagu Lomar Eliyama Nabi Shlosha Pa'amin. And then a little later on, he says, not just three times. But Shamati, Shako Hamaskir, what's the Gematria of Eliyahu? 52. So you say Eliyahu Anavi, his name, 52 times, and you be Matsriach in your Limud, and Yesh Medaktikin, that they say, the name Eliyahu Anavi. Very interesting, very strange. But listen, a schooler is a schooler, right? We can all benefit from schoolers. Um, and so it's easy enough, right, to say Eliyahu Anabi and his name again and again and again. But I was thinking today that if there ever was a Shabbos or a Mitzrayi Shabbos that would be a very much appropriate to be Mekai in this minhag, it would be right now. And that's because, of course, the Haftorah that we read today, which is not often read because Kisisa is typically typical year, we coincide usually with Pasha's Torah. But today we read a Torah where the hero of the story is, of course, Eliyahu Hanavi. So it's a beautiful story, 
and we should all learn it carefully, all the fine details. We don't have time to go through every aspect of the story. But just to draw a few broad strokes and highlight a few kiksukim that I think can give us some inspiration and maybe perspective about this particular minhag of mentioning Eliyahu and Nabi so many times on Gonzalez Shabbos. Okay, so we all remember the story probably from when we learned it in elementary school, maybe in high school. There was a worship of Baal and Avodazara that was rampant among large segments of Kal Yisrael. It created a lot of confusion. And we owe a Navi in his capacity as a Navi was able to suspend for that one time a Harasha, a serious Isra Kares, an Isra of Shudechutz, in order to demonstrate once and for all the worthlessness of Avodazara and the belief in one God in Akadish Baruch. So he had everyone summoned to Hara Carmel, Eliyahu, 450 Medei Habal. Each side was to designate an animal to shechet as a carbon, and then he would see where the heavenly flame would come down to miraculously consume either one animal or the other, and that would be the sign of which God was the correct God. And we all know what happened. The Baal, the Baal prophets did all they could. Mamish, they were cutting themselves and, and screaming and screaming and nothing happened. No response. Finally, Eliyahu and Navi dramatically cries out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Aneini, Hashem Aneini, and his tefillah is instantly answered, and whereupon all the assembled guests, everyone who's there for this occasion, fall on their faces, and we dramatically end on this high note of the Haftor, Vayukot Bnei and Vayomru, Hashem Hu HaElokim, Hashem Hu HaElokim. So they were thinking, this minhag that we have to mention Eriyoh Anami Amotai Shabbos, maybe there's a specific pasuk within this Haftorah that can shed light on this particular minhag of Amotai Shabbos and Eriyoh Anami. And that is, the words that Eriyohu uses that he utters at the outset when everybody comes and gathers together. And what does Eliyahu Anabi say at that moment? Vayigash Eliyahu Elkoa Amma Yomer Ad Moshai Atem Hoishim Al Shtei Asiipim How long are you hopping on two different thoughts, two different opinions? Im Hashem Elokim L'chuach Harav Bim Habal L'chuach Harav So Eliyahu Anabi offers stinging words of Musa challenging everybody to get off the proverbial fence Make a choice. You can't have it both ways. It's either Hashem or it's Baal. It's not that they were sold on a Bodhisattva, but they were confused. They couldn't grasp the difference. In effect, you might say they weren't able to make Havdalah. It takes Das to make Havdalah. Ain't Das Havdalah Minayim. They couldn't clearly recognize the difference between Or and Choshech, between Kodesh and Chol. They would jump from one to the other, whatever was convenient at a given time. Elio forces their hand. It was time to take a stand, to make Havdalah, to embrace Emes, and to reject Sheker. What is Shabbos? Shabbos is a time when we're exposed to the pristine Emes. There's no need for Abdullah. We see everything clearly. We step out of Shabbos mode. We enter the murky waters of the work week. 
And we need to remind ourselves that there are different strata that exist around us. In the world around us, there are different elements. There's Kodesh, there's Chol, there's Klai Yisrael, there's Umos Ha'olam, there's Shabbos, there's the rest of the week. And we need to know and to appreciate those differences and the distinctions and to navigate them properly. Sometimes the distinctions have to be made more starkly. Sometimes they can be made more subtly. Obviously, Chol and Shabbos are different. Chol has its avoda, but we need to know the difference. Not to create an artificial integration with snacks of the Koseach of Shehaseitim. Rabosai, the world around us, I don't have to tell you, doesn't always know how to make proper Havdalah. The examples abound. The war in Eretz Yisrael is a battle of Tov and Ra. And this should be clear to all thinking people. And Havdalah is a function of Das, and Eng Das, Havdalah Mimayim. And yet, unfortunately, there are so many voices, voices in the world around us that bend over backwards to defend the indefensible. And even our own government, which has, of course, been very supportive of Eretz Israel, of the state of Israel, and yet it shows signs of being Paseach al But ultimately, dear Kalmidim, the Avoda starts here for us at home. And this is where the school of that we are, Nabi, can help us in terms of Limud HaTorah. If we want to retain our Torah, we need to be mindful of the primacy of Torah. That everything we do and everything we see in the world around us has to be filtered through Torah, through the lens of Torah. You know, Chaim Shmulevitz has a famous sicha that he entitles Ha'or V'achoshach Sheva Adam. And he describes a problem of confusion. He quotes the Gemara that the Torah can be a Sam Chayim and Chatz V'Shalom can be a Sam Hamavis. The Maiminim Ba, it's a Sam Chayim. To a Masmi'ilim Ba, it's Sam Hamavis. So Rashi explains Maiminim Ba means they learn the whole Kochom. They understand, they put their energies, they understand what Torah is, it's a Sam Chayim. The Masmi'ilim Ba means it's just casual, it's hazard, it's not really thought of as a primary, as a focus. And that's unfortunately sometimes of Chaim Shalabi says can be worse than not knowing any Torah. Scary, it's a scary thought. But the idea is that's For someone, Baruch Hashem and Ayeshiva, I think we can understand that everything has to be integrated and seen through the primacy of Torah. For the sake of Kiddush and Shemayim, so we learn in the morning. We learn night seder, we have afternoon hours for doing secular studies, but all of that has to be seen with a perspective of Torah. And I know our Nasi, Rabbi Berman, has ultimately made so many, so much emphasis on the idea of HaKolech Bodo, it's all ultimately for Kiddush Shemayim in the world. That's the vision of the Maimininba, that's the vision of seeing everything with Torah, to understand this Chol, this Kodesh, what the difference is, and how we can ultimately be Malik, the Chol, to Kodesh. But not out of a state of confusion, not a, not a feeling of being Poseach, of not quite knowing where we stand, being one thing one day, one thing another day, but ultimately it has to be with a sense of a core sense of really what we believe in and seeing everything with that perspective. So, a Kachbaruch Hu should give us that Siyatid Ishmaya. We have the school of Elio and Nabi Matai Shabbos. We said Hashem Hu Elokim seven times a few months ago in the beginning of Tavshin Pei Dalit. 
We have the clarity of Moshe Yom Kippur with us. And every Moshe Shabbos, we have that opportunity to reconnect with that mission statement of Eliyahu Navi, not to be Paseach Ashtiyah but to orient ourselves for the week ahead. And that should be ultimately our source to have the Without further ado, Rabbi Rath. August occasion. It's always difficult when you speak on Monday Shabbos to decide am I supposed to speak about last week's parsha or next week's parsha. There are a few rare occasions where you don't have to make the decision, and this Baruch Hashem is one of them. This past week we read Parsha's Kitisa, this coming week we have Parsha Shkolim, so if you just stick with the beginning, you're really okay. We know that the reason for the Machshis HaShekel, it says in the Chumash, because in order to avoid a negaf, if the chas v'shalom, there would be a census that could lead to people being hurt. We know by David HaMelech that in fact, I guess if he didn't make it to Malachim, if he hopefully made it to Shmuel, you'll know that story, that David HaMelech mistakenly, shall we said, say, decided to do a uh, census and that lived, led to 70,000 people dying. It's a very strange idea. Why should a census be so dangerous? So the Mepharshim generally point out and they say the reason is because when you do a census, when you count people, you look at them as individuals, one at a time. As opposed to when we look at everyone as Claudius, well, we all have protection. Even though we might be lacking in certain ways, we are still members of Claudius, well, and therefore when we are all one together as Claudius, well, we're very safe. When we start to get people individually, unfortunately, that could lead to a negative as we saw happen at the time of David HaMelech, and of course, as we're warned about at the time when we read about the Masters HaShekel. This idea of unity and remaining as one is really very much, one could see, as the theme of this past week's parasha. The late Rosh Hashim of Karmiyavna, Rechaim Yaakov Goldberg, had a very beautiful thought that he would say on this week's parasha. It says that Moshe Rabbeinu had an impossible job. He had to argue with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Tell him that, oh my goodness, the Ego Hazav, it's so terrible. How are you going to talk HaKadosh Baruch Hu out of it? What are you going to tell him? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, there's some information you're missing? Or are you talking? There's something HaKadosh Baruch Hu you didn't think of? Also impossible. So what he comes up with, the Medrash tells us, is he says that when you said, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, you said, Elokecha, people thought you were talking to me. You didn't say, Elokechem. I have a little experience in the basin, that's not exactly the best argument the person can make. Even if you're not up against a Ganesh Baruch But miraculously it works. Why is this? So the Rosh Hashiva explained that the reason is because he said, When you spoke to Kal Yisrael, you were speaking to everyone together, singular as one. Now 
There is no Klal anymore. These are individuals. Punish the people who deserve to be punished. And everyone else should be free because this isn't a Klal anymore. Similarly, when we talk about the Qataris, we talk about the Chalbina. And of course, Rashi points out the famous Maimar Chazal, that the Chalbina did not smell particularly good. However, when it comes to the Qataris, it's better to have everything together, even if not everything he gives you a little something. So too, we have this idea that when we have a Klal Yisrael, it's better to have the kosher Yisrael, all of us should be together, because everybody together, no matter what the individual worth is, is always greater than if we're not all together. Finally, another beautiful idea by the Mitziv on this week's parsha. It says, when, I, when Moshe Rabbeinu talks to the Bnei Levi, he says, prepare everyone, you're going to have to kill your brothers out there. So Rashi says, but the entire Shevet Levi didn't sin. So how could it be? If I'm a Levi, there's a pretty good chance my brother's a Levi as well. So if I didn't sin, he didn't sin. So Rashi says, no. Nah. It could be that he's your half-brother. He's your half-brother from the mother's side. And then, so Nitzv asks, there are over 600,000 Jews right now. 3,000 sin. That's less than a half of 1%. What are the odds that within this half of 1%, somebody has a half-sibling that in fact was over the ego? He says pretty much nothing. However, what he's really saying is no. Realize that even those people are the people that are over the Avodah Zarah. Even those people who unfortunately have to be put to death, remember they're your brothers as well. That even though, unfortunately, we reached that point, that there are some people that this is what has to happen, I'll be sure as Hadin. At the end of the day, remember as you do it, this should hurt you. Because these are your brothers. So that's the Lord. The Lord that we have here is Achtos. But we, we are all here together, all the Jewish studies programs, all the secular studies programs, even the Spartan, everybody around here together. <laughs> the idea here being is that all of us together are worth so much more than when we're not together. So Baruch Hashem, we have this opportunity. I'll say one more word from the, from the Rosh Yeshiva. The Rosh Yeshiva used to say that B'nai Yisrael like a number a number that you cannot count. What kind of number? You can count any number. It might take a long time, but there's not a number out there that you can't count. There's only one number you can't count, he said, and that is the number one. You don't count it, it's just there. That's what Klai Yisrael has to be. We have to be one, a singular unit, and being a singular unit that will take care of our service and only lead to good things in the future. Thank you, Gavach. Last but certainly not least, uh, we have the privilege of hearing some different Torah from Rabbi Koenigsberg. Yeshua's President Berman, Rabbi Kalinsky, Rashi Yeshiva, dear Talmudim. There's so much we can learn from the pivotal stories of the Torah. 
But sometimes we can even learn something from a few words that the Torah adds in describing a person or an object. We find such an example in today's Parsha, Parsha's Kisisa. At the beginning of the story of Chaita Egel, the Torah describes the Luchos as Luchos Evan Suvin Be'ezpa'elokim, the Luchos with tablets of stone that were inscribed by the finger of Hashem. Later in the Parsha, right before the Luchos are broken, the Torah elaborates a little bit more in its description of the Luchos. It says that they were Luchos Ksuvim Mishnei Avreyam Mizeh Mizehem Ksuvim, that the letters, the words of the Luchos could be read from either side of the tablets. And that was Maisenisen. The words penetrated through and through from side to side of the stone, and yet, miraculously, you could read the words on both sides of the Luchos. We know Chazal say in the Gemara and Shabbos and Avkovdalet that Nem the Samach Shabaluchos Beneisayu Omdin that the middle part of the Samach and the Nem they weren't attached to anything, but somehow Beneis they were they were standing. The pasuk continues that the Luchos were Maisei Lokim Hema and the Michta was Michta Lokim was Charas Al Haluchos. The Luchos were the with the handiwork of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they were made by Hashem. The Michta, the writing, was inscribed by Hashem, engraved on the stone of the Luchos. The question is, why does the Torah wait until right before the Luchos are going to be broken to fill in some of the details of its description of the Luchos? It should have mentioned all of the details, the full description of the Luchos at the very beginning when it first mentions them. Rav Dov Weinberger suggests in his Sefer Shem and Atov that there's a fundamental soul that the Torah wants to teach us here. And that is that often people don't appreciate what they have until right before they're about to lose it. And sometimes people don't appreciate what they have until after they've actually lost it. Right before the Luchos are going to be broken, the Torah pauses in the story, it takes a break and it describes the Luchos in greater detail. It mentions how precious they were, how special they were, the fact that they were Maisenisim. It mentions the special qualities of the Luchos, the fact that you could read the words from both sides. Right before the Luchos are broken, the Torah, the Torah mentions the details of the Luchos because it wants to reflect on the loss that was about to occur. At that point in time, only at that point in time can we really appreciate the full value of this special object because that's the point that we were about to lose it. Sometimes we don't appreciate what we have. We don't appreciate all of our blessings until they slip away from us. We find a similar idea at the beginning of Megillah's Rus. After Nami's husband and her two sons die in Eretz Moab, she decides to return home. And the Pesach says, That she leaves Eretz Moab, the place where she was living, together with her two daughters-in-law. And she goes on the road to return to Eretz Yehuda. And then the Pesach says, she tells her two daughters-in-law, she speaks to Arpa and to Ruiz, and she says to them, return 
to your familiar homes, to your familial homes. It seems a little puzzling. Why does she wait until after they're on the road to ask her daughters in law to return home? It would have been a lot more convenient to make, to make the request when they were still in Eretz Moa before they started on the journey. She should have just said, why don't you stay here? There's no need for you to come home with me. Why don't you stay with your families here? Why does she wait until she leaves Eretz Moa with the daughters-in-law before she makes her plea? My grandfather, Rabbi Solomon Shoffman, who was a Rav in Flappish for 45 years, once commented that Nomi showed great wisdom in her approach. She wanted to make sure that if Arpa and Ruth would join her forever, that they'd make a real commitment, that the commitment would be heartfelt, that it would be lasting, that they wouldn't regret it in the future. And she realized that often people don't appreciate their homes and their loved ones, they don't appreciate their communities as long as they're surrounded by them. Only after they leave their comfortable environment, that's when they suddenly appreciate what they have. So Nomi wanted to wait until they left Eretz Moab because she was concerned that as long as they were still there, it could be that Orpah and Rus wouldn't really appreciate what they were giving up by joining her forever. They wouldn't understand how difficult it would be for them emotionally when they no longer were in their natural surroundings. So maybe their commitment wouldn't be genuine. She wanted to wait until they were on the road, until perhaps Arpa and Rus would begin to feel a little homesick. Maybe they'd feel pangs of longing for their families. When they were on the road, then Nomi was sure that the test could be real. Then she was certain that if they made the decision to stay with her forever, that would be a decision that they would never regret. That would be a lasting decision, because at that point, once they were no longer in Eretz Moab, they'd know what they were giving up. They'd know what they were getting. And in fact, what happens at that point, Arpa, who previously had been so willing to join Nami, at that point on the journey, she has a change of heart and she decides to turn back. But Rus, Rus remains steadfast in her commitment. She clings to Nami and the rest, as they say, is history. Sometimes we don't appreciate what we have until we no longer have it. And isn't that the metaphor of Shir Ashir? Ani of Rayosi. The Psukim at the beginning of Parakei of Shir Ashir describe how the Dod, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, pulls out to the Raya, to Knesset Yisrael. And he encourages them to reconnect with him. But Klai Yisrael says, Pashatati astutanti echachel boshana rachatati esragle echachat tanfein. Rashi explains that these Psukim are talking about Bayashani. And Bayashani, Klai Yisrael was asleep. Ani Yishena. Klai Yisrael was asleep. They didn't want to connect with HaKadosh Baruch. They didn't, they didn't want a relationship with him. They had charted a new path. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent Nevi'im to get Musa to Klai Yisrael to try to return them, to try to encourage them to reconnect with him. But they didn't want to. But then suddenly they did have a change of heart. 
the time of Chizkiyot, the time of Yoshiyot, they had a change of heart, there was a Ruach of Tshuva in Klal Yisrael, they wanted to reconnect. But that was short-lived. That was short-lived, the Dodi Chomak Ovar. Klal Yisrael went back on the path away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it seem as though he didn't want them anymore. Chomak Ovar, he went away from the doorway, so to speak. He made it seem like he wasn't interested in them, and they were sent into Golis. Isn't that really what Golis is about? It's about missed opportunities. It's about not appreciating what we have when we have it. Not realizing a special uh, relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu is. Not realizing the need that we have for a Beis HaMikdash. The need that we should have to feel the presence of the Shekhinah. That's really what, God, what, what Golis is all about. Sometimes we don't appreciate what we have until it slips away from us. And the same is true about our years here at Yeshiva. You know, we tend to complain about the challenges and the troubles that we have, but do we really appreciate the opportunity that we have in the brief stay that we're here at Yeshiva? The opportunity to continue to learn Torah in depth, to connect with Rebbeim, to connect with Chaverim, do we really appreciate that opportunity as much as we should? These are the formative years of our development. These are golden years. The investments of time and effort that we make in these years, we can reap the benefits for a lifetime. But all too often, only after we've graduated and we've moved on, that's when we miss Yeshiva so much and we wish that we could have those years back again. The Torah's description of the Luchos and the stories of the Gilas Rus and Shilashir call out to us to appreciate what we have, to be so thankful for what we have here at Yeshiva, to make the most of all of the blessings that we have in life, so that hopefully the Siyatim Ishmaya, each one of us will be Zohar, to accomplish and to grow to our full potential. Good luck. I don't have microphones so often, but while I do, I feel it's appropriate to give the proper advice to everybody, whether Noam mentioned it before or not, these people deserve Karasato mentions for more than just two people. Number one, the Russian Yeshiva would be abundant with an effort to come out here tonight. I know it wasn't so easy, but yeah, so thank you. Thank you.
no idea how much it means. And of course, to our VP, Noah, who's been working on this for the last three months. As we've heard from multiple Rabbanim over the last couple months, nothing we do can be, quote, normal. And so we decided to take the next few moments to reflect that. While I don't want this to necessarily turn into uh, an opportunity for everybody to share from the, the incredible Israel trips that took place over winter break, one story pops into mind that I'm going to share quickly. You see, I had the opportunity to, uh, to join the sex, parents being why you mission to Israel over winter break. The trip was from Sunday to Sunday. Tuesday was the day that we went down south. And one of the short stops that we were supposed to make was the Nova Festival. We pulled into the parking lot, our bus pulled up next to a few other buses that were there. There were cars that were filled the lot. The site itself was a big open field. There were a bunch of trees surrounding it. In the far left, there was a tent where people were not in Mencha. You could faintly hear the responses to Kaddish, to Kedusha. But in terms of noises, the loudest thing that you could hear were the people crunching the dry grass sitting on the ground. Scattered throughout the field every couple of feet, there was a pole about four feet tall. On the top of each one was a picture of somebody who was killed on that morning. As we were heading out, Rabbi Ozzy Fang, the Baron Campus Rabbi, pulled us aside to one of the uh, signs. Somebody that he had known, he was speaking a little bit about his life, made a Kalmale in Chibera, and we naturally went into Achenu. He locked arms, started singing, Achenu. As I mentioned before, there wasn't too much going on, and so we grabbed the attention of some people in the immediate radius, and the circle grew a little bit to some brave people who decided to join our circle. And it was getting louder and louder, and some people started to fear, myself included. So I closed my eyes, and we continued singing, Achenu, Animami, Atikva. And it got really loud. And I opened up my eyes, and I realized there wasn't a dry eye in the place. Because when I opened up my eyes, there wasn't a person who wasn't part of the chain that we had started. And I'm telling you, there were people who Mama told that they were coming from the beach, not so far away from people who looked like they were coming from B'nai Rock. And there we were singing together songs of Tsar, songs of Amuna, songs of Tfila. And so we're going to come together now, Mezuz Hashem, to sing some songs of Tsar, songs of Tfila, songs of Amuna.